0: welcome to the ca short all-in employee podcast and i'm your host r scott russell with nelson ever and we're so glad that you've joined us today let's dive in nelson it is time for the all-in employee podcast how are you doing today girl
1: Ooh, you know, I'm always good when it comes to our podcast. This is my favorite, absolute favorite part of the, the day, part of the month. So, and I'm excited for our show today. I think we're going to have a
0: real zinger. You know, I love it because we don't have to put on a show. We just are the <laughs> show, right? right? we just <laughs> who we are. We are, well, you know, we're on our trend now, and we are um, spring is springing. And uh, we're getting this winter stuff behind us. I'm so thrilled. I'm ready for some warm weather. You know I am. I want my kayak out. I'm ready. So I need spring to be happening. But all this year, we're going to just have some amazing guests. And we've been sharing quite a bit about CA Short. And we're going to continue to do that, Nelsa. Today on our show, I'm very, very excited about our guest. She is. I know. She is is customer service manager for CA Short, and let's just bring her on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to Belinda Elmore. Belinda, are you there? I'm
2: here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. I was very excited when you invited me to be a guest on the show today
0: i'm so excited to have you thank you thank you uh, and excuse Appreciate me it.
1: scott i believe it's dr belinda <gasps>
0: more. oh see there's a story to be told <laughs> i don't know about oh i'm Just ready for this throw it on out there oh, okay well we gotta circle back to that i got to know that story for sure today because i don't know that part of this story yet so belinda um thank you so much for joining nelson and i today because One of the things we've been doing this year in our podcast is introducing people to the team here at CA Short and the team that supports our clients and supports um, the organization. And you lead a very, very integral, important part of our team, and that is our customer service organization. I think you have, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm going to let you tell us. Um, if you would, you know, tell us what you're responsible for, what teams work for you and, and what your goals and things are in that team. It's very casual. Uh, we don't do a lot of talking points. We just like to share. So tell us a little bit about Melinda and a little bit about what she does right here at C.A. Short.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I am the manager, the customer service manager. I am over the customer service reps and the customer service managers in Atlanta, the uh, Georgia group. Also, I um, manage the call center, which we have six employees in the call center and seven um, combined CSRs and CSMs. As you know, customer service, the customer service reps and managers call center, they are the front line. You know, they set the stage for everything. So they, to me, they are very important in the revenue cycle. They kick off the revenue cycle. So if they don't get it right, then the revenue cycle, we, we, we have a problem with the revenue cycle. So I lead this team. I came from a healthcare background, so I have a lot of customer service experience. I was over 13 facilities um, that was located – from Far City all the way up to Cullowhee, I was the assistant vice president over the business office, financial services, uh, physician recruitment. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to, whenever I left the organization, I was just kind of burnt out, just kind of tired because Mm -hmm. I was was commuting from Shelby to Hendersonville um, every day for seven years. So I kind of took a break for six months and I decided, okay, I think I'm going to go back in the workforce. So... I applied at CA Short. This was the first place I applied, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to get out of management. So I applied for a customer service rep. I think I last probably maybe a month or so. And then um, Mike approached me about the customer service manager position, said he had an opening for that. And so I was very interested in it. And I took the position, and I have been just very excited about the position, I have so much that I want to do for um, the customer service group and the call center. Some of the goals that I, I want, want, I've already put KPIs in place. Um, because what I have found, you know, I didn't have anything I, I could measure. If I, if I couldn't measure anything, I couldn't manage.
1: Right. So
2: I have put KPIs in place for both groups. And they are working out very well. Um, we've had them in place for about a month now. We have to we have to give our staff something to strive for.
0: Sure. You know, they can
2: you know they can come in day in day out and just do a job, but they need goals to strive for.
0: That that really resonates with me. Um, you know, even as we of course this show is very focused on employee engagement and what we do as a business, but I think you know from a recognition standpoint. If you have nothing to measure, you have nothing to recognize, right? It's like, absolutely to, to me, they go very well hand in hand. And um, I think we're seeing already the effects of what you bring to this business. So very interesting to me. So, you know, from a, just for a, from a listener perspective, a couple of things, for those of you that don't know, we're in North Carolina. So she's referencing everything North Carolina. So I will tell hey. you that today. She is referencing <laughs> North Carolina. But Absolutely. Just, let's give our let's give our listeners a little bit of an explanation. What's the difference between our the call center and your customer service reps or customer experience reps? What's the difference there? What 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 does each group do specifically?
2: Absolutely. The call center they basically they deal with the end user. They have um our say for instance the recipients the end users calling in to place orders for gifts. They have um. They will call in as well if they didn't receive their gift or their order. The customer service team, customer service reps, customer service managers, they deal with the actual client. They deal with the sales reps. And to be honest, they deal with the whole organization at some time and point. So call center, end user, customer service reps, they're dealing with basically the client, the sales reps, and everybody in the organization.
0: So I would assume then that um, you probably get a lot of the downhill stuff <laughs> that rules for me to kind of business, right? I, <laughs> let me just tell you, I work, I've worked in customer service. Uh, the majority of my life, actually, I have an experience in customer service o- outside of my engagement world, um, having been in retail in the first part of my life, um, after radio, Nelsa, I was after radio, <laughs> right, uh, right. I went into retail and then with my Verizon history you know that's what I was cuz I started with Verizon as a customer service rep for about 4 months and um before I went into management so Belinda and I have that have that together mm-hmm. um but but I also know that you know, that it's a difficult role. I mean, it can be a very difficult role because sadly I think customer service, you, people aren't calling you to tell you um, things are wonderful. And I just wanted to call you. It's usually because there's something to change or something to fix or something that they want differently. Um, in, in some cases, I'm assuming it could be, you know, so the, I'm, I think it's a hard job because people get, they get a lot more negativity sometimes than they get positivity. That that's absolutely right. That that is
2: correct. But but I try I try to train my our team to to utilize the three important qualities of customer service. First of all, professionalism. The second thing, patience, and always the people are first. So if they keep that in mind, they will always provide excellent customer service.
0: Mm, nice. I like that. I need to I'm gonna write those down. Three P's of customer service. Mm-hmm.
2: Three P's of customer service,
0: professional Especially when
2: stuff rolls downhill.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You
2: have to keep it in the
0: lane. And um, so that's so exciting. So you came here thinking you weren't going to be in management. That lasted no time. And now you are doing it.
2: (laughs) Yes. And the funny part is I've never not worked in management. So it was, to be honest, it was kind of hard Working as a CSR, but I have all the respect for my team because I know what they deal with. I know what they go through day to day.
0: Right, I love that. I love that. That's one. That to me is wonderful. So, and let me ask you this question: What do you, um, you know, when it comes to recognition and engagement, what what does that look like for your team? There are certain things that you guys do that I love. Um, for one thing, you guys eat better than anybody I know. You're always doing some really great <laughs> things, even, even though, and I know listeners, it's a, it, we're still in COVID, but this team is very safe, but you guys do, and most of you are located here in Shelby, so I know you do some great things there, but what's recognition and engagement like for you and that team? What's important for you in that area? Right.
2: It, it's important to me to recognize, first of all, our employees. We have to always, you know, not always telling them, okay, what you did wrong, but we we need to tell them, okay, great job. We need to keep them motivated because when you motivate your employees, you build the trust of your employees, they're going to go over and above for you. So as far as engaging, we engage with the data team. We engage with um, the call center, customer service. Um, we engage with implementation, so you know, like you said, we're always we always have food. <laughs> and <laughs> Sherry and I, you know, we try to good do food
0: too. Good, good
2: food, food good food. <laughs> so um, we we try to do little activities within the department to keep our employees engaged with each other. So that is very important. It starts here. So if we if we can't uh, do the engagement, how how do we expect to project that to our clients and our customers. It well starts
0: said. here. Good point. Good point. Well said. Point. Well said. Um, you know, I think about customer service is really the backbone of any organization like ours, right? We are only mm-hmm. as good as the services we provide and the people that provide those services. And I think an interesting thing about your group, and you can say this, you have very, um, you have tenure that's all over the place, right? So you have- yeah. You, of course, there's always influxes of new people and customer service, but you have some very tenured folks there who are supporting our clients, right? Correct. I think you've got, you got at least some good 10 years. What's your, what's your, you know, what your oldest tenure is? I think 20 something years. Wow. 20 something years. Well, that, what I like about that is it's the message to our clients and our listeners that, you know. We've got a lot of experience in our in our customer service team, and um, uh, quite a bit of knowledge and experience, and they're a great team to support you know any business that we have here. So I think that's that's just wonderful. And I think you are playing such a major role in uh, evolving those groups. And um, just love your professionalism, love working with you, um, was thrilled that we could get to have you today and guest with us a little bit. And I'm taking a lot of the talk in question time. Nelson, you, I should let you jump in here because I'm just talking. <laughs> oh, so what, what, what uh, you jump in, what questions um, or, or anecdotes do you have with Melinda? Uh,
1: well, I guess for people who are out there wondering about, um, you know, in the age of COVID and customer service, how how hard or how easy, you know, what sort of transitions were required uh, for our customer service team to manage COVID? Uh, because we didn't shut down as a company, we were deemed essential. Uh, so what sort of what sort of things or what sort of activities or transitions did the group make adjustment wise in order to handle COVID, Belinda?
2: Well, we practiced six feet distances. Also, we moved four of our customer service reps upstairs so we can, you know, um, implement the six feet. Um, so that's basically what we did. And I am just so excited that we did not have to shut down. Right. And when when COVID hit, you know, we did have some telecommuters, but we brought everybody else, we brought everybody back in-house. And now that school's back in, everybody is back in the office.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Um- that's
1: great. Uh, what do you think the future for, um, you know, the work that we're doing now that we're, we're seeing vaccines, we're seeing people getting, um, you know, back to work, it looks like, have, have you seen things pick up? I know things did slow down quite a bit, uh, especially when everybody was at with the stay at home order. Um, but has mm-hmm. your team seen an increase in activity since things have sort of picked back up?
2: We we do see um more of our clients um starting to do business, the ones that you know had stopped doing a little business with us because of COVID and budget cuts. Right. So we are seeing those clients come back on board.
0: That's great. Yeah, I would I would hope and assume that we would even see more of that as life gets back to some level of normal um, and and that leads me actually uh, ladies I have a couple of hot topics for us to talk about today Ooh. so let's oh. go, go right into it okay so my first hot topic is this you you actually alluded to it so let's just get in it and uh, we'd love to have you uh, talk about this with us Belinda and then we're still don't forget now for the end of this show I'm gonna find out about the doctor piece so I've got that written down but <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things they're talking about for Melinda, uh, do you travel much? Are you a traveler? Oh, I love to travel. Okay, because you know, I, Nelson and I burn up the road. So we like we yeah. to travel. And one of the things I, they're talking about is, you know, creating a global um, like vaccine passport or a digital vaccination identification and so I I uh, I read this and I think you know at first time my thoughts are okay well that's cool I get it like perhaps your country won't want to let somebody in unless they've been vaccinated and you have to prove that you know that that's happened but, uh, but there's a flip side of that coin where um, you're also talking about someone's medical situation and uh, you know HIPAA laws for us prevent that really but i wonder from your guys's perspective is that going too far or is that the right thing to do in the world we live in today
2: as far as being you being
0: sort of vaccinated. like well by by having your vaccinate like your vaccination status more public because if let's just say it's the united kingdom and they say hey, you must have a vaccine to get into our country, and they decide to launch, you know, or if it's international and on passports, it would tell your vaccination status. In some way, I'm just seeing this kind of going around, it's showing up on LinkedIn. Um, There's a lot of talk about, you know, would you have a digital version? Would you have something on your Mm -hmm. phone or an app that shows when you were last vaccinated? Is, Is that, do you feel like that's an intrusive piece or is that just what we think the world's going to come to for us to be able to travel around the world again? Well,
2: I, I think it is going too far. Then on the flip side, no. Now, as far as being publicized on social media or, you know, you can log on to see if I've had my vaccine, you know, I, I think that's going too far. But okay. putting it on a passport for me to travel out of the country, I think it should be. It should be on my passport.
1: I agree with That's- Belinda on that. I feel like the digital anybody could access it. Anybody could break, you know, um, break through the firewall and and get to your stuff digitally. Which they could do that anyway, I suppose, if it's logged in with the hospital or your your healthcare provider. So I guess there's just there is some, um, you know, security risk already inherent with yeah. records or whatever now, but. To have it where another country could digitally access it, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. But having it on my passport and being able to show, you know, proof just like we would, um, you know, the passport being a proof of citizenship or birth certificate, you know, we have the paper copy to take Mm -hmm. with us wherever we go. I think the vaccine card to take with us as a part of that Mm -hmm. makes sense as opposed to... Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't want that. (laughs) Look, I guess I'm a little.
2: Put it on my license.
1: (laughs) Conspiracy. I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I don't want that.
2: I'm
0: asking this question. (laughs) And
2: and like I said, you can even put it on my license.
0: True. True. Right. See, I think I'm going to hit this next year, and I'll tell you why I wanted to talk to you both about this because, so I'm going to Italy next year with my friend, my dear friend and Uh she is not yet sold on the vaccine piece even though i don't get it but anyway i love her to death still she's not quite sold well i i have this feeling that by the time this trip comes around um we're going to italy and i think italy is going to say you can't come into our country without proof of this vaccine so then i start thinking well what is that proof and how do you really display that proof and you know I can see it now I can already see me having to go back to my friend to go well you're gonna have to get this because you're not gonna be able to go (laughs) because they're you know their country's actually struggling quite a bit with it and they're on they've already locked down again so I could see countries certain places Mm -hmm. saying hey you can't come in without a vaccine now I don't know that we'll see that in the states but I I I can't say we won't right I can't say because for a time remember you couldn't go in you couldn't go to Hawaii without the test So why Mm -hmm. would, Hawaii eventually say, well, you can't come without the vaccine. I think what becomes the struggle is how do you prove that? How, what, because if you have to have a vaccine every year, you're not gonna get your passport every year or your license. That's where the digital piece has to come in. In my thought, how do you do this on an updated basis? If it's not digital, but to your point Nelson, do you want everybody to have, cause at that point you're going to have, it's going to have a bunch of other info, right? So Absolutely. I think it's exactly. an interesting question for those of us that do travel and especially with business travel, um, what that looks like for our future. So I think more to come on that one, but I wanted to bring it up because I've started to see it quite a bit. But the, the real hot topic that I wanted to talk about today, and, and just to share with our with our listeners out there, is that you're, you're both women of color. They can't see you, but I will share that. <laughs> um, and this really plays into um, experiences. I, I want your perspective here because um, here's the story and here's the headline. There are companies out there today. And, and this really touches on employee engagement. So I'm going to bring it to you. There are companies uh-huh. out there today that are now requiring a percentage of management be uh, diverse. So it has to be a minority, right? That must uh-huh. be in that leadership role. What, what are your thoughts there? Is that the appropriate thing to do? Is that, what, what's your opinion on, coming from you? I really kind of wanted to hear this from your side at least, because I want to tell you that I am in the middle of that situation trying to figure it out because part, mm-hmm. part of me says, but when you force companies to do that, are you going to be missing out on perhaps um, great experience and knowledge because you, mm-hmm. have, you have designed a quota system? And this, mm-hmm. there's some really big brands doing this, right? I just read about this. I think even McDonald's is about to do this, right? Where like 30% has to be a diverse leader. Do you have it? Do, but, but from your perspectives, what does that look like to you? And is it the right thing to do? Well,
2: I'll go first. <laughs> sure. From do my you. perspective, my thing is, why do we have to get to this point anyway? Does, I mean... I don't understand um, the whole thing around, okay, a certain percentage, minority, certain percentage, black, white, whatever. Let's take away what color we are. Just when I interview, I want you to look at me for what I'm bringing, not because of the color of my skin,
0: you
2: know, interview me, take, take, take off the blinders and just say, okay, I'm going to interview you and I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to give you a fair interview. I don't care what color you are. What can you bring? Do you have the skills? Do you have the education? So that's why I'm saying, why why are we even at this point anyway?
1: Well, and I think, um, Scott, you know, Belinda and I are both Blenda's at the beginning of the Gen Xers and I'm probably at the end of the Gen Xers uh, and we're both sandwiched between the millennials and the mm-hmm. baby boomers, right? Mm. Um, so history has taught us that unfortunately there are so many people who still won't do the right thing. Um, right. I agree with Belinda, if people were given a fair shot and you would look at the resume and Nelson Weber is not gonna stand out as a person of color on that resume. But I know for a fact that I have friends who have used their initials because their names were unique and not necessarily um, Eurocentric. I
0: gotcha. And
1: so they mm-hmm. felt like they were not invited to even interview for jobs they were qualified for because their names automatically booted them out of the resume slot. Um, I've heard people say, it's not a good fit. Like, mm-hmm. can you give me a rubric for what that means? Can mm-hmm. we get a, a a standard of what not a good fit means? I think mm-hmm. there's so many buzzwords and so many um, soft cues for you don't fit our majority culture. Um, I, I have a friend who quit his job recently uh, because he knew he would only ever get to the level level of supervisor. And he said in his company of over, you know, probably, a, you know, several thousand people, the only black managers that he ever saw, but black, blacks promoted to manager were all black men who had bald heads. He happens to have braids and, you know, close, you know, close cut on the sides and braids. And he said Mm -hmm. he never saw anybody who looked like him in management even though he had been a supervisor for years had been successful in that role had Mm -hmm. you know a track record of success but he said because he you know didn't have a college degree and Mm -hmm. didn't speak and look the way the other black managers looked he felt like there was a an unspoken system of rules Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think we have to do culturally is number one, be aware of bias. I think so uh-huh. oftentimes people throw up a race card when in uh-huh. fact, it's more than race at play. I think there are, are biases against certain things because we're all from the South. If you don't know how to cut your Southern accent off in some circles, people will believe that you're not well-educated because you sound a uh-huh. certain way. And you know that being from Kentucky, right? Like that twain comes out and some people will automatically assume you don't know the first thing about your business. Yeah. Um, You know, we have to be aware of our biases about women. You know, there are certain roles that some people feel that women are more suited to when it comes to uh, greeting and softening and less technical data decision-making. I was the leader of a school. uh, I was a celebrated leader of a school, a hard school and made hard decisions every day that affected over, you know, 300 and something people, 400 and something people. So, you know, just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you can't make hard decisions, that you can't take criticism. Again, you know, this is about color, but when we, when we talk about minorities, you're talking about women, you're talking about people with disabilities, you're talking about ageism. Mm-hmm you're Mm -hmm. actually talking about people who are overweight now because we're finding Mm -hmm. that people are very biased against people who are heavy set, won't hire people who are overweight. So I think I'm not of, I'm not of a quota mindset because I do, I do think you want to have people who know what they're doing. And unfortunately it does create um, an ill effect for the people who are going to get those jobs because everybody wants to assume that they're not qualified for them because a quota mandated that they be in that seat. Right. But unfortunately, it's Mm -hmm. like, if that quota wasn't in place, would you ever look for a qualified candidate? Would you go to a historically Black college or university to go and and do some, um, you know, hunting for, you know, job fairs? Would you go looking for diverse talent at schools that aren't? Um, you know, predominantly white institutions, because there are people who are qualified to be in leadership everywhere and there are qualified people of color everywhere. But, you know, again, I think it just, it brings to mind, like what Belinda said, how did we get here in the first place? Like the fact that we have gotten ourselves back to where we were at the early civil rights with the need for these mandates it kind of disturbs me because I feel like uh-huh. we're repeating my parents' generation's curse, you know, like I thought we had moved so far away from that. But yet, you know, if you look at your companies, yeah. who do you see in leadership? You know, I, I went to, a um, we had a great lunch and learn the other day talking about um, inclusion and, and uh-huh. creating conversations. I'm glad we're practicing it, Scott, here on the show. Yeah. But I said how, when I go into a room, I actually look to see if there are any other black people in the room besides me. I've done that since I was a little girl. And, you know, I do that everywhere I go to see if, what's the level of representation, you know, for the people who look like me. Mm -hmm. I don't always say anything to anybody, but I always take note. And I don't know that other people who aren't like me I don't know if anybody else does that. You know, I don't know if members of the LBGTQ um, plus community go in a room and size it up that way. You know, race is always one of those things that you can see automatically. Gender sometimes is is a lot easier to see. So do other people have to size up the room to see if there's representation Represent. in their company the way I do? So I, it's just, these are great questions and I think they have to be asked. And I think we have to think long and hard about how we answer them moving forward. So long answer, I'm sorry, but this is a, it's an important question. No, that, exactly.
0: Uh, I think both of what, what you both uh, presented there was perfect for today. I think, uh, um, uh, you know, we won't dive too heavily into race discussions because we know it's, it is such a hot topic. I mean, it's truly a right. hot topic in our mm-hmm. country. But mm-hmm. I think this one plays right into what we do for a living. I mean, it's a it's about engagement. And I think um, you know, something you both hit on is when when you do see a situation where you don't feel someone is qualified yet they were given something, that makes mm-hmm. it that much harder. Because Absolutely. the respect level has already been shot, right? And and the problem is that candidate may be amazingly qualified, but in some people's eyes, they could be discounted just because your company has made an arrangement to do blank. Right. And so, right. Uh, but I, let me tell you what, your perspectives today for me were fantastic because we talk about, you know, I'm 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 in a different I'm in a minority, but it's not it's not the race minority. Therefore, mm-hmm. it's very different for me. And just like what you guys said, you walk in a room and look around and you can kind of size the room and right your your experiences. And and I think um, that th- this is a conversation we'll continue to have now. So, you know, that we'll keep having this right bringing these conversations huh. in. But because this is actually something I've been reading, um, I think sometimes people are afraid to touch on it just because yeah. they don't know where they stand. I don't want to get us in hot water anywhere either, America. But but I do want to to just say, you know, we have these conversations here and we can have respectful ones and and we can talk about what that looks like in business so i really appreciate both of you uh having your input today there i really appreciate that so before we have to wrap up today because we're getting close to our time first of all belinda tell me about the doctor thing why why am i not calling i'm belinda i'm belinda um
2: yes i have my uh, doctorate in the health administration the i do doctor. i do I
0: am. Do you know how much work that is? It's a lot of work. Trust me. I it's, know. It's a lot of work, and therefore, it's a lot of work. Of that right? I didn't see. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Really? No, I did not know. So from now on, you'll be Doctor Belinda for me. Okay. Now, but when yeah, when something hurts, I might come to you too and ask you that though. My arm hurts, Doctor.
1: Like, like she's not that one. say so you don't have the you don't have the prescription
0: pad. No, I don't have the prescription oh, pad. Right. <laughs> she not have a prescription pad, so I can't call her up. But listen, that's that's a great achievement. I I mean, I'm just like it's not something I'll ever have. I mean, I, I just think it's an amazing achievement, and uh you should feel very thankful and grateful for that. And uh don't let it don't let nobody not call you doctor. You should be doctor.
1: Okay. Listen, we just okay. want the people to know the
0: level of experience yeah. and expertise yes. in our yes. house. The experience we've got heading up our customer service team—I mean, that's amazing. You, you rock. You rock for that. Thank you. Thank you. So, Thank you. That so yeah, was
2: the goal I wanted to accomplish, and I did.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That—that's rocking. And I do. I commend you for it. That—that's just killer to me. That—that that takes a lot of, lot of effort, and uh, you deserve the praise for it. And so before we wrap up today, we have a question that we ask all of our guests. So of course we're going to ask you as well is tell, you know, you're on the, you're in the all in podcast. So tell us to you, Belinda, what makes up an all in employee? What are you looking for in your group that makes that employee stand out? And you know that they are all in.
2: Okay. I'll simplify it. What I'm looking for is someone who is, fully committed to our mission and vision. First of all, they need to know our mission and they ne- need to know our vision. To be all in, you have to be fully committed to taking the journey with C.A. Short. I love it. That that makes an all-in employee to me.
0: I love it. And I believe That's our great. doctor is all in. <laughs> yes. Our doctor <laughs> yes, is, yes, all yes. Hey, is all yes. in. Hey, All in. Nelsa, I love Dr. It. B. Dr. I'm B.
2: I'm all in. I'm all Dr. in. I, I want to see Dr. the
0: channel. I love that one. We got to do it. B.E. <laughs> she, she Dr. B.E. She's B.E., you know, <laughs> Belinda Elmore, so Dr. B. B. Oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. You guys are crazy. today. And Nelsa, we got, uh, ooh, we got, we're recording another episode next week. We got all yes. kinds of stuff happening around here. We're very excited. Oh, and we it's be, to a yeah, be a great year. Yeah, feel it. Great year. I feel it too. I feel it if we don't get no tornado in the next five minutes, we're in a good. I <laughs>
2: know, right? I know, right? <laughs> I know, okay, wanted- in South Carolina.
0: Yeah, I thought in, we in, were an announcement while we were in this show. So, uh, there people, this is how people figure out when we record these shows. They, they go back and look at the weather because we, Nelson and I are always talking about the weather. Oh. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Thank you, listener. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Belinda. And until yeah, next time, another great show. We'll say goodbye. All to right. Next time. Have a Thank great day. Thank you for bye having me. Okay. Bye.
1: Thank you for joining us on the CA Short All-In Employee Podcast. Scott and I will see you next time.